John chapter number 4, we'll read verse number 19 down through verse number 29 and then verse 39 just to finish out the story and just have a simple thought for tonight, but I pray God will use it to be a blessing. I appreciate all the men on the schedule and everything that's taking place this week. God's been good to us. Uh, verse number 19, John chapter 4, the Bible says, The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvations of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot, and went her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Verse 39 gives us the results of this woman's conversion. And the Bible said, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, He told me all that ever I did. I don't know about you, but I like verse 39. I like the results that this lady got. The Bible said that many believed. I mean, a whole city turned upside down by a woman with a message. Her message wasn't flashy. It wasn't filled with rhetoric. It was simple. Verse 29, we find her message. Really, just a four-word message. At least, that's what got their attention. The opener of the message, come see a man. She didn't mark it. She didn't even survey. She just went back to her city and figured if it was good enough for her, it's good enough for them. And she went all over town, knocking doors, ringing bells, dialing numbers, anybody she could get hold of, saying, hey, come, come see a man. Come see a man. I remember the first soul I led to Christ. It wasn't just the first soul, but the first souls I led to Christ. On the first day I led a soul to Christ, I was able to lead 38 people to Christ on that day. I was preaching at a juvenile detention center and didn't know what I was doing, had no message at all. So I just turned to John 3.16 and read it. And I told those young men, I said, I probably don't love you like I ought to love you. And I probably don't care about you the way I should. But I know someone who loves you and who cares about you. And the best way I could, I basically just said, come see a man. I think we ought to quit complicating what God wants to be simple. And for a little while this evening, I just want to preach on this thought, come see a man. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for power to preach, please. I pray that you'd use me. Speak to our hearts. Help us to have a resolve nailed down in our heart that you are sufficient. The gospel is sufficient. I pray you'd work in Jesus' name. Amen. Christianity today has made itself look almost schizophrenic to the world around it. Change and that right regular has become the normal activity of some churches and ministries. Some are changing their music. Some change their name. Some are changing their methodology. Some are changing the entire atmosphere of their services. The never-ending pursuit of that magic method or that secret to increase influence and grow a ministry seems to have some in the work of God turning about like a feather in a tornado. They become drunken upon the need for relevance. They're consumed with keeping up with the world around them. It seems like they're drifting like a boat with no rudder, driven about by the shifting tides of time. In fact, I'm afraid that change has gone from being a verb to a noun, and an action to a position. 
Now, I'm not saying that we ought not change some things. I'm glad for some change. I don't know about you, but I like padded pews better than wooden ones. And I enjoy the indoor restrooms. That sure beats an outhouse. But I'm dead set against the attitude that some have where change becomes the theme because they've allowed doubt and discouragement to convince them that if they do not change, they can't offer our generation what it stands in need of. Can I say that change does not put families back together? Change is not what reaches those outside of grace. Change is not what God commissioned us to carry around the world. Now, possibly some change because they sincerely want to reach their city. I believe most change because they're more worried about temporal success and their own fleshly desire. But regardless of the reason, change is not the answer. Change is not the antidote and change is not the remedy. I want to serve notice on all of us this evening, not just you, but all of us. We don't have to twist ourselves into some theological contortionist or some entertainment-driven pretzel to reach our generation for Jesus. We don't have to attend some compromised convention gathering or get tips from some new age church growth guru or go to the local coffee bar for interior de design tips. In fact, if you're looking in bad books and reading bad blogs and talking to some backslidden Baptist buddy on the internet, you're looking in the wrong place. We've got to quit complicating what God wants to be simple. My heart is settled on the fact this evening that what our generation needs, I mean our generation of churches, our generation of sinners, our generation of families, our generation of young and old alike, what they need is exactly what was needed by a well in Samaria over 2,000 years ago. They don't need a new method. They need someone to shout, come see a man. They don't need marketed. They need someone to shout, come see a man. They don't need us to change church into some sensory stimulating experience. They need someone to shout, hey, come see a man. Jesus was, is, and forever will be the answer, the antidote, and the remedy. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the bread of life and the living water. And what our generation needs is some preacher, some man of God, some mother, some Christian, some bus worker, some Sunday school teacher to go all over town, get the bum, get the, uh, the mayor, get your neighbors, grab your family, and shout it from the housetop. Hey, come see a man. Here in John chapter 4, Jesus has departed Judea and sets out for Galilee. As he starts his journey, he detours from the normal course to Galilee and goes through a region called Samaria. In fact, the Bible says he must needs go through Samaria. Now, any time who spent any time at all in their Bible... And I know there's no one here tonight like that, but anybody who has understands that this was an unprecedented thing in Jesus' day. The Jews and the Samaritans had no dealings one with the other. They mutually hated each other. The Samaritans were a mix of Judaism and paganism. They blended those things together. And a Jewish man would never think to purposely detour through Samaria. But aren't you glad Jesus is no ordinary man? I'm glad his heart transcended bias. His heart transcends race. His heart transcends prejudice. And his love for people saw him not to cause him not to see the person, but the soul of the individual. And Jesus went to people in places others might overlook. Let me say in passing, I'm glad that our heritage is the same. I'm glad that we don't just go after those who can pad the offering plate and bring a good name to our church in the city, but I'm glad we go for those on the wrong side of the tracks and the big house on the hill, just like Jesus would have done. Now, as you read on through the chapter, we find why Jesus went through Samaria. As he journeys, he comes to a place called Sychar and sits down there upon a well of water. As Christ sits down upon the well, a woman comes to draw water. This woman is a broken woman. 
She's a wayward woman. She's a hurting woman. She's a wicked woman. In fact, her testimony is the cause of her going to the well at such a peculiar time of the day. The Bible says that as she approaches the well, she sees Jesus. Now, any day a sinner sees Jesus is going to be a good day. The Lord strikes up a conversation with the woman, knowing fully that what she needed was not what was in the well, but he who was sitting on the well. As the two converse, Jesus asks her for a drink of water. She says, sir, how can you, being a Jew, ask of me, a Samaritan, for a drink? Jesus, being the master soul winner, takes the conversation from temporal to eternal in a moment. And he said, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd have asked of me, and I would have given you living water. As the conversation progresses, Jesus reveals to the woman that he knows the depths of her sinfulness. He tells her to go call her husband, knowing that she'd had five husbands and was now shacked up living in adultery. I believe that as Jesus spoke those words, conviction began to break apart the black canopy that shrouded her heart. Jesus continues his conversation, and the light continues to come on in her soul. She'd heard mention of the coming Messiah. She'd heard some Old Testament truth about the King of Glory. In verse 25, she even said the Messiah she knew would be called Christ. You see, the grace of God is being to open the eyes and stir the soul of this lost Samaritan lady. She's heard bits of truth, but now she's standing in the very presence of truth. The goodness of God had brought her to that place, at that point, to that well, to meet with Jesus. And aren't you glad that's the same way God works in our life? I'm glad God directs our steps. Thank God for the place, the person that told us about Jesus one day. Here in verse 26, we find all of her questions are answered. I don't doubt that she'd wrestled with it in the night. Maybe it weighed heavy upon her heart. Maybe she'd often wondered and meditated about the truth but now no longer will she have to wonder. Jesus looks at the Samaritan woman and he testifies to her and in tones that would echo through eternity. He says I that speak unto thee am he. Can you imagine what a moment in this lady's life. What a monumental point she's come to. Oh what a time. She found her own person personal emancipation proclamation. She's found what she'd been looking for. No longer will she feel the emptiness. No longer will she look for fulfillment and leave empty. She's met the master. She's met the savior. She's met Jesus for years. She's heard about him. Maybe she even read about him, but now she can stand there and look upon him and say, there he is. That's him. That's the Christ. I think about the hymn. Tell me the story of Jesus. Ride on my heart every word. Tell me the story, Moses precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Oh, this woman who we found in wickedness is going to leave uh, made whole. This woman who we found broken is going to leave put back together. This woman who we find lost, she's going to leave saved. All because she found a man unlike any other man. Is not this the Christ saved by his power divine, saved to new life divine. Life is now sweet and my joy is complete for I'm saved, saved saved. Here in verse 28 and 29, we find her first response to her meeting with Jesus. Immediately, she left. She didn't even sit through a class. 
immediately. She left her water pot scattered about the well. Now she has bigger business than the water business. She set her feet toward her family. She set her feet toward her friends. She set her feet toward her city. And she went to tell them about what she just experienced. She planned to go home with water, but she's going to go home with living water. In verse 29, we find her sermon. In verse 29, we find her message. Here it is. It's not flashy. It's rather simple. She says, come see a man. That Samaritan woman had gotten a drink she'd never get over. And now her heart was set on everybody else getting a taste of the same. She made her way back to her city, but she didn't go empty-handed. She went with a message. I'll say it, her message wasn't flashy. Her message wouldn't have racked up retweets. It wouldn't have got her Facebook fame. It probably wouldn't have got her name in some periodical. But this woman had the news. This woman had the report. This woman had the, new, the, the message. This woman had the gospel that her city needed. And it's wrapped up in the phrase, come see a man. Can I say this woman knew men? She's no stranger to men. She'd known her fair share of those. She knew tall men. She knew short men. She knew fat men, skinny men, old men, maybe some young men. But she'd never met a man like that man that she met at that well that day in Sychar. He was different. He was unique. He changed her life. This was the Christ. I can see as she begins her trip home, her water pot scattered about the well. And as she races to her city with the message, I can see the religious crowd stopping her and saying, what do you plan to do? I'm going to go tell my city about Jesus. Oh, wait a minute. Where'd you go to school at? Have you even have a theological degree? Wait a minute. Are you going to be topical or expository? Wait a minute. Are you going to divide this into a series? Do you even have an official hashtag for the message yet? Are you sure this is grammatically correct? And I can see her push him aside and say, Buster, get out of the way. If it was good enough for me, it'll be good enough for them. My city needs to hear it. My family needs to hear it. My neighbors need to hear it. Hey, come see a man. I'm convinced that from the Gospels and through Acts, and tonight under a tent in Jacksonville, Florida, we have all we need to go out and reach our cities for the glory of God. If we have nothing else, then the simple thought, come see a man. That's all we need. It worked in Capernaum. It worked in Jerusalem. It worked in Corinth. It worked in Philippi. It worked in Bethany. It worked in Antioch. It worked in Rome. It worked in Ephesus. And I reckon I'm dumb enough to believe the Bible. It'll still work in your city in 2018. They didn't have electric lights. They didn't even have a praise band. The drummer wasn't even in, in the service. I mean, they didn't have nice buildings. And they still turned their world upside down. You say, how'd they do it? They had a message. Come see a man. And here's what I'm preaching. It's time for some old-fashioned Christians to go ahead and rest our resolve on the fact that Jesus is enough. Jesus is sufficient. The gospel is the power of God under salvation. You don't have to tie a ribbon around it. Just get in your pulpit and preach every once in a while. Just go knock a door and tell them about Jesus every once in a while. That's what the world needs. Come see a man. Let me ask you something. Have you met the master? Have you been to the well? Did you get a drink of living water? You remember the day when mercy and grace came by? You remember when your life was changed? You remember where you were when Jesus came to you? I remember when I walked into an independent fundamental Baptist church for the first time, 21 years old, lost. I was wearing khaki shorts and a pink t-shirt and flip-flops. Amen right there. If you tell anybody I said that, I've never met you. You're a liar. I walked in that little country church. They didn't even have a screen. The coffee pot didn't even work that day. The preacher wore cowboy boots. (laughs) 
You're right, all liberals do wear cowboy boots. Oh, but anyway, I mean, he's wearing cowboy boots. I walked in that country church. I mean, they said ain't and don't. I mean, in their own place. You know what he did? This little millennial, know what he did to me? Preach Jesus. You know what happened? I got saved. And I reckon if it worked for me, it worked for somebody else. Can I say that's why we're here? You're not here to build an empire for yourself. You're not here to make a name for you. We're here to let the world know there's a man unlike any other man. And they need to meet that man. Sinners need someone to tell them, come see a man. Prodigals need someone to shout, come see a man. Broken hearts need someone to preach, come see a man. The world is looking for something more than they can get on the couch at the shrink's office. They need something more than they can get at Dr. Phil's. They need something more than they can purchase at the grocery store. They need something everlasting, something that can change their life. And they'll find that in Jesus. They're not looking for somebody who says, hey, come look at us. They want someone to say, hey, look at him. Look at that man over there. Come see a man. Now listen, I believe we ought to stand up for things. I do. And I believe we're contending for the faith. In fact, I wish some of y'all would do it. But let me not fail to preach Jesus while I'm doing it. Whoop. Amen. If you say amen, I won't tell anybody you said it. Be between me and you tonight only. You don't have to search for something to preach. You ought not to seek for something to sing. You have to struggle for a testimony to share. You say, what should I preach? What should I sing? What should I share? Why don't you just tell them, come see a man? It worked in Nazareth. It'll work now. It worked in Capernaum. It'll work in this century. It worked in Galilee. It'll work for my generation. It worked in first, uh, 1 AD. It'll work in 2018. The need hadn't changed. It hadn't abrogated. It hadn't abated. It's still the same. They need Jesus. The drunk man needs Jesus. The poor man needs Jesus. The rich man needs Jesus. The old man needs Jesus. The young man needs Jesus. That's what they need. They don't need to hear about the hottest politician on the circuit. They don't need to hear about the best singer uh, on the pop chart. They need to hear about a man unlike any other man. I like the hymn. We've heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Every home needs it. Every family needs it. Every, I say, young person and senior adult, they need it. Come see a man. They won't find what they need on the stock market. They won't get in the back alley. They won't find it on the bar stool. They can't buy it at the shopping center. They need the same thing you need, the same thing that I needed. They need to hear, come see a man. You see, you think Jesus is sufficient? Ask Lazarus. Is Jesus sufficient? Talk to Nicodemus. Is Jesus sufficient? Talk to Bartimaeus. Is Jesus sufficient? Ask the lepers. Is Jesus sufficient? Go talk to the thief on the cross. Is Jesus enough? Go ask the Samaritan woman. And I understand we're trying to spend ourselves to death. We've got to have all the technology so that we can have church. I understand that. But I think we can save a lot of money. Hello? We'll have to budget ourselves to death if we just get back to the point where we thought, well, you know what? Probably Jesus is enough. Just open your King James Bible and preach about him. Come see a man. Come see a man. Come see a man who controls all things. Come see a man who's the express image of God. Come see a man who turned water into wine. Come see a man who took a motley crew of fishermen and made them fishers of men. Come see a man who opened the eyes of Bartimaeus. Come see a man that made Lazarus live. Come see a man who touched blinded eyes and made them see. Come see a man who every time he went to a funeral, death vacated and life took center stage. Come see a man. Come see a man who loved those who were unlovable. Come see a man who touched crippled limbs and made them whole. Come see a man who cleansed the leper. Come see a man who cast out the demons. Come see a man who salvaged those who are about to follow 
the edge in sin. Come see a man who spoke peace to the wind and ironed the wrinkles from the sea. Come see a man who wasn't limited by the rules of nature but walked upon the water. Come see a man who is not held captive to his flesh but overcame the lust of the flesh by the word of God. Come see a man who was beaten and he never swung back. Come see a man who was mocked and then he opened not his mouth. Come see a man who is stricken with rods and his body was marred and yet he stood there and he took it for my sin and for yours. It's not come see a building. It's not come see a monument. It's not come see me. It's come see a man. That's what the world needs. Come see a man who never sinned and yet bore my sin. Come see a man who became sin for me. Come see a man who died in my place. Come see a man who made the cross my standard of victory. Come see a man who had nails driven through his hands and feet. And so come see a man who shed blood that was spotless, sinless, perfect, atoning blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come see a man who was before time began. Come see a man who the Father turned his back on him so he could turn his face toward me. Come see a man that when he gave up the ghost, the sun was snowed from the heavens, the rocks rent, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. Come see a man who is buried in a borrowed tomb and was sealed with a great stone, but he didn't stay dead. He came out on resurrection ground. Death might have a 99.9% success rate, but Jesus is that 0.1% that kills it all. You can find Buddha's bones, and you can find Muhammad's bones, but they'll never find Jesus' bones, because he's not there. He's risen. I understand. I understand that we need a PowerPoint to get them in. I understand that. I know. I understand we need a band to draw the crowd. I understand that. I understand we got to dress down and get casual. I know that, but I reckon if Jesus can do that, he can probably reach your family. He can probably save your city. He can probably still move in the hearts of those that need him. And our generation, I can see it now in my eye, as so in my mind's eye, as somebody comes to church and we're putting on the show. They don't care about the show. They get that everywhere. They can buy a ticket and go to a show. Hello? They can get emotional at the ball game. They can get coffee at Starbucks or McDonald's. And I'm not against that. I like it. They've got coffee. I wasn't supposed to say that. Uh, but anyway, I'm not against that. But they're not going to get Jesus at the ball game. They're not going to get Jesus at the shopping center. If they're going to hear about him, they're going to hear about it from us. Come see a man who said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come see a man who said, whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Come see a man who told Nicodemus you must be born again. You say, who is this man? What's his name? Is it Buddha? Is it Muhammad? No, it's not this the Christ. You ever been to the well? You ever got to drink a living water? You remember what you were when Jesus found you? Don't you think he might be sufficient to do it for somebody else? I was preaching in Asheville, North Carolina. And I was in church on, a, on, a, on one of the, I think it was Tuesday night. And the preacher said, anybody have any testimonies? And I hate that. Because nobody does and everybody wants to. And everybody says, anybody want to brag on Jesus? And then they stand up and tell you about all the problems they got. <clears throat> but there's an old man in there <clears throat> sitting on the front row with me all week long. We were sitting together and preaching. Anybody have a testimony? And he and I were just sitting there. And a fellow stood up about three rows back and said, I want to give a testimony. He said, I was about ready to kill myself, commit suicide. He said, I was sitting on the bed in my apartment in downtown Asheville, had the window open, had a gun there on the bed with me. This happened in the meeting I was preaching at. He said, I was going to blow my brains out. He said he lost his job and his wife left him. And he said, I was sitting there. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, I had that gun beside me. And I heard, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should perish at their last life. And he said, I sat there for a minute and thought, what in the world? He said, I thought I was going crazy. This man's saying this in the church. Never been to that church, doesn't go to that church. He said, and again, he said, I heard, for God so loved the world. John 3, 16. That fellow sitting beside me, an overalls, bearded man, big old burly mountain man, look, started crying. And he said, son, he stood up and said, son, what street do you live on? And the man told him what street. And that fellow started shouting. He said, I've been going down that street, passing out tracks and street preaching for years. He said, nobody hardly ever takes my tracks. He said, but I was down there last week just shouting, for God so loved the world. And can I tell you something? If it worked for him, it worked for us. His name is Jesus. He's all sufficient. He is enough. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I can see it. You might not have a big building, but you've got a big message. You might not have a big name, but you've got a big message. You might not have a big following, but you've got a big message. You might not have a big crowd, but you've got a big message. They don't need a political figure. They need the king of kings. They don't need an anthropologist. They need the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. They don't need a celebrity figure. They need the one whose book is the bestseller. Amen. I can see Sychar, and I'll close. I want to hear the preacher preach. I, I, I can see it in my mind, the city. Go there after John, uh, John chapter 4. See all the happy people. All the families together. I mean, can you see it in your mind? Is there, you say, what's all this happiness about? How come you're so, you got this joy. Tell you about a woman one day. Boy, she was wicked. But she met a man named Jesus. And it changed her life. And she just ran through the street saying, come see a man. And boy, we were in a mess. We were about to lose her family, bust up. We went out and met this man named Jesus, and he put our marriage back together. Amen. Our kids are saved now. Did she have a big building? She didn't have a building. All she had was a message. Come see a man. I tell you what we got to do is get our eyes off the Internet and comparing ourselves to people who aren't us and getting jealous because they have facilities. Hello. I think we ought to have good facilities, but listen, different. Brother Chen, I've been talking to there's a difference in a church in a building. And the difference maker in our generation will be the difference maker in her generation. Jesus is the answer. Amen. Here's a church growth lesson for you. Go home and just shout it. Come see a man. Amen. Amen.